podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everybody, the Lava Birds are back for the latest edition. I'm delighted I've got Randy and today a very special guest on the podcast with us. Okay, thank you, thank you for outing me, Nina. So, what I what I said on the WhatsApp group was because uh, we had a. Lo- drop out unfortunately because molly's not well and uh and i asked nina if she'd come and join and she she very kindly said yes and i said yes you are the lover and to our matip killer <laughs> 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 pod which i i thought i thought lover had a great game yesterday yeah, to yes, be fair he actually did to be fair like okay you know you, you got away with that one but you know what i'm actually really <laughs> looking forward to this and in particular randy and and her notes you know, of, of the game. Oh, the, yes. Yeah, they're iconic. I can't wait. Thank you so much for having me, girls. You're very welcome. And how are you doing, Randy? I haven't spoken to you for a few weeks since our last pod. Is all is all well in Norway? Yes, thank you. All's well up here. It's starting to get cold, so I'm snuggled in here in big jumpers and, you know, cozing inside activities today. But, so, yeah, I'm so Sounds happy. good. And and are you are you uh, watching the um, Inga Britson? She said as a slight segue because the athletics is on. Are you are you obsessed by the Inga Britsons? Is it all over Norway? It's all over every every time. You know, every one of them are on wherever the world stops. And and to be fair, they sort of know how to make it exciting, don't they? Something happens by some strange reason or another. But every time they run. So uh, tonight is going to be yes. a good one, I guess. <laughs> yes, yes, I think so. I think so. Right, sorry, sorry, all of you people who thought you were coming to listen about football, and I've gone <laughs> on, on a complete tangent on athletics. But hey oh. Uh, so we we'll come back come back to the task in hand. So uh, the last time we spoke to you all, it was um, early September, and we'd had a cracking August, um, had gone unbeaten, and we were waiting for the start of the Champions League. We've now got all the way through September, um, and we thought it was time for us to come back and have a, a little dig through what's been happening over the last month, and, and also think about what's potentially coming over the next few weeks for us. So, let me start by um, the return of the uh, Champions League, and obviously we've played two games, uh, one one lost one. Um Nina, welcome back. Let me start with you. Um, I was over in Napoli for mm. that game, for the opening game of the group, which I actually thought in comparison to when we played them last season in the group, we actually played much better, mm-hmm. but interestingly ended up with a worse result than a sort of one minute, you know, 93rd minute, whatever it was, goal that gave us a one minute, one nil loss last season. Yeah. Um what were your reflections on on the game? Because clearly this is the whole new, new campaign for us as champions of Europe, and I may mention that from time to time over the coming months. <laughs> to be on, you know, it's understandable, right? I mean, I I pretty much echo what you said there. I mean, it was the toughest game in terms of on paper in the group. So getting Napoli away done. Um, I thought yeah, Liverpool will be better equipped for this. I agree with you. I thought Liverpool played better, and you know what? The, um, it, they played better. I, I thought you know they they in my opinion, dominated the game, controlled the game, and just got completely undone by a stupid penalty call that was not a penalty. And then after that, um, you know, they looked so tired as well because they tried pressing us like mad in the first half. In the second half, they looked so leggy. And then out of nowhere, they get a little bit of fortune with that penalty, score it, and then hit us with a sucker, with you know, with like a, a sucker punch. And... It's mad because I left that game thinking we were absolutely robbed. But last year, I thought when they scored, they deserved that because we were awful. We were holding on for dear life. It is the toughest game. And I just kind of think like Liverpool are in a really, really strange situation because they've always been 
the challenger. You know, Jurgen Klopp can really motivate his teams against the bigger teams. And this time round, they're the European champions. Everyone's going to come on to us. And, you know, we're speaking about the Napoli game, but we, we, you know, Jurgen Klopp doesn't have like the best record against Ancelotti and this Napoli side. And, you know, I think that must have really hurt him. But I'm not one bit worried because, again, I mean, we'll talk about the second game, but they dropped points to Genk. You know, you know, do you know what I mean? So I'm not really worried about them. And I think when we come to Anfield, I think revenge will be sweet. I think, I think you've made a really good point in terms of, um, how we're perceived now, and and Randy, do you do you sense that you know as being the European champions, everybody's everybody's saying right, we want the chance to 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 term a to use a um, Alex Ferguson perch, um, Alex Ferguson quote even to knock us off a perch. People, you know where I was going with this, but. Randy, do you think that there is something extra in terms of motivation for teams playing us now in Europe because we won it in Madrid? I'm sure they do. And I think it's quite obvious when you look at the last games that we've had. I mean, one of them crazy course calling, uh, you know, Bonanza. And the other one, as you said, we were playing so much better than the last time we were there. This time I thought we were really together and doing it well. And I thought we're going to tie them out, which we did. But that that pen sort of destroys it all, and from then on we can't seem to keep up. But look at look at the team that matters. They really wanted revenge, and of course, why not? Um, that's natural in a way. And we were there first again, again, you know, and in that place that is very very hard to play. I think. I do think Napoli is a, a, a really hard place to go to. Um, you were there. I- yeah, I was. You know, notwithstanding their policing methods probably go back to the 1950s or something in terms of how they treat um, football supporters. So, you know, I, I was I was safe. I was fine. It was, you know, it was all OK. I know there were some reports of a, of a couple of um, incidents um, in and around the city. But to, to the knowledge that I had of the people I was aware of, everybody was OK. But it was just it was such a pain in terms of being kind of herded up and put on coaches and all of that sort of stuff. But put that to one side, the game itself, I actually thought we were the better side. I agree with you, Nina. I I thought in comparison to the previous year, it was like night and day in terms of our overall performance. But if I think about the, um, if I think about the Salzburg game and and we we sort of probably jump between the two here I thought probably that first 35 minutes I know Salzburg had an early chance but that first 35 minutes I thought was probably one of the best 35 minutes we've played um, in the Champions League or Anfield for, for a while I mean we absolutely ripped Salzburg apart and for me I think it was a it was a couple of things I think maybe we thought the first half was done so subconsciously maybe we just took our foot off the gas a little bit um and also Salzburg don't care do you know what I mean if they're if they're losing 4-0 they're not necessarily from what I can tell they're not going to change their approach they still go yeah okay well we're still going to try and and score against you and I think I think that I don't know why, but I think that seemed to surprise us. And and we got put, particularly in the second half, in my view, we got pulled into this basketball type game where it's like, well, we go up that end, you go down this end. And I couldn't understand why we were allowing ourselves to be pulled into that sort of performance for that 25 minutes where we ended up going to 3-3 because we, we were in control of the game. And that, so that was frustrating. But, but to, again, find a way to win um you know and and i think we we deserve to win that game salzburg gave a cracking account of themselves but we deserve to win that game but i mean where where did you see it changing for us um nina in terms of that second game against salzburg because it everything seemed so in control for so long it really did. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm with you, you know, 35 minutes. I thought Liverpool looked really good, you know, to the point where I think the fans became a little complacent. You know, we're speaking, you know, the, you know, I was yeah. sat in the stadium and I was like, 
oh my god um you know i listened to the scouted pod um i i was keeping an eye on the other bundesliga twitter account um you know um which is obviously the austrian bundesliga you know um i had somebody on mm-hmm. there from tom midler and you know th- them speaking about this young salzburg side that are fearless who play this quick on the break football and i'm watching it at three and thinking this could easily turn into a cricket score oh my god like yeah. you know um maybe this is them now suffering in the hands of never ever being challenged and when you don't get challenged in the league which they clearly don't in the austrian bundesliga and they are actually playing the champions and you know they play very similar but i think it goes without saying we are the better team we've got the better players and you know they're just being undone by a, a better force and i'm becoming really complacent i'm thinking about everything you know what they shoot a few warning shots you know they even get the the goal in in the first half and you think okay that's it we've had our warning now it's 3-1 Liverpool will wisen up they come out and they're playing exactly the same football they've got the player in um um Juan and was it Minamono who who absolutely ran the show he had like a Firmino-esque yeah. kind of performance and I'm sat yeah, there yes, he did. scratching my head thinking what on earth is going on and I was sat in the heavens um gay and Randy um in the main stand and sometimes okay. that, that can be quite deceptive because you see a lot of space and the thing that I was noticing was they were, first of all, devastating on the counter really quick, playing through our midfield, because I felt like at that point as well, the midfield kind of lost its way a little. You know, Henderson was yeah. doing really nice things in an yeah. attacking sense, but not in a defensive sense. And we were quite scared to put in that tactical foul, which sometimes you kind of urge, you know, you, you want the player to make that tactical foul. I think Fabinho did it in, in later on in the second half, where you just think, you know what, just take the man out and just stop yeah. the play. You know, you want that. We were quite hesitant. And for, especially for the second goal, for the volley, there was just so much space on 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 um, our right, our left-hand side. And then the same for when, um, you know, the, it's 3-2 and then they bring on Haaland, their, their goal threat, you know, that yeah. youngster. And then you think, for God's <laughs> yeah, sake, you know, from you absolutely... That's a ballsy move. <laughs> yeah, and honest to God, literally within four minutes, he gets on the score sheet. It's just, it was absolute madness. I mean... I think it was a combination of them being very good and I think it was also a massive combination of Liverpool just kind of taking their eye off the ball a little and losing their composure. It felt like I was watching Liverpool circa 2014 or something. Yeah. You, you know, it, yeah. it was that kind of game. It felt like, was it was it Norwich or was it Cardiff City where it finished 6-3? You know, that kind of vibe under oh, Brendan Rodgers? Yeah, it just, it was just, it was insane. And, um, I, I do not appreciate, you know, some of the criticism that came towards the likes of, say, Joe Gomez, who came under, you know, a lot of criticism for his performance. The guy, the, the lad was rusty and things. I, I will not sit there and pin individual blame on players. Oh. I'm not about that. You know, Liverpool had enough quality on the day to get through. The only yeah. annoying thing was that game should have been put to bed way sooner. And when you look at Liverpool having to do or die every single game, it was, it was unnecessary, uninvited pressure, in my opinion. And Randy, I mean, were, were you expecting to see some more rotation in that game? Because clearly we'd um, we'd had the game um, before that, you know, we'd had the hard game against Sheffield United, um, the lunchtime kickoff, um, you know, having come, I guess for me, there was... Um, because because we'd had after the after the last break we'd obviously then had you know the Carling Cup and all of the rest of it and we'll we'll come on to our administrative errors as well um, <laughs> but I I just um, I guess because it seemed go, to go so well in the first half um, I my thinking was that we would be playing Cater yeah. and we would potentially be playing Oxley Chamberlain. Um, now I know before before the Leicester game, obviously he got hit in training and he wasn't available. But um, what what were you expecting of the of the team? And then you know, tell us a little bit about what what your views were in terms of how the game went itself. Um, I I wasn't sort of. I think Martin was hurt. He was injured, wasn't he? So he couldn't play. Yeah, he and was injured you, against yeah. Sheffield United. And then when you. 
you have the choice between Lovren and Gomez. You think, well, Gomez, of course, he's going to slot right in there. He's going to be fine because Virgil is on his side. And I must say that even though I don't like to put people down or, you know, talk negatively about anyone, because I think this was a whole team effort. And the defensive mechanism that starts with the front three that we've been so good at last year, it sort of fell apart because uh, the midfield didn't uh, cover enough. And I think uh, the last goal, you could say that was Gormas's fault because he was the one that should have um, uh, checked Holland's back. But I think that started with uh, Fabinho in the middle. It was like the, the whole team stopped defending like they used to. And I don't know why. Because I think Virgil was... Uh, as bad, if anyone was bad, as the rest of them. And I think you, you can't, I, I don't, I haven't seen us play like that since, as you said, 13, 14, you know, here we go again. How many mm. are we going to let in now because we scored so many? And I was really, really surprised. But I think beforehand, we were all very happy that Holland didn't play. He didn't start because he'd been ill. And of course, me being mm. in Norway, everything had been about him as if they haven't got anyone in that team. But when you look at that <laughs> team, on Wang and uh, Mini Firmino, as I call him, and uh, yeah. the rest of them, they are absolutely brilliant. What a brilliant fucking team. They're like us, but they're much younger and even quicker. So I thought we, we should have known this was going to happen. And when it started, it was like we were like, oh, really? <laughs> and then it was all over. I was so surprised to see us defend like that, or not defend, you know, as we did. Yeah, and I, I, I don't think, think we could you know, blame anything on that on uh, Adrian. I don't think uh, Alison no. could have done anything better. So I was very surprised, and I knew that when Holland is going to come up, he's going to do something, you know. <laughs> I mean, it, it must, it is, it is interesting, you know. We we've all been watching football for quite a long time to now be seeing. You know the children of the the, the yeah, people exactly. we also remember playing. Yeah. It's all getting it's all getting a little bit a little bit weird now. Um, <laughs> all of the generations coming through. I mean, I, we do need to give credit to Salzburg in terms of their overall performance because it was fearless. It was absolutely fearless. But but uh, you know, I think about it because it was um, Bobby Firmino and Alison's birthday this yeah. well week just gone when they turned uh, twenty. 28 and 27 respectively and you know the fact is to to your point Nina maybe we should be looking at Juan or Miramino into I mean look for all we know Both. Michael Edwards has already gotten tied up and they're going to announce it in January but that you they they are fantastic young players and whatever RB Salzburg and Leipzig are doing in terms of their scouting network um, they they are doing a cracking job, but I have to say I was very surprised that Genk uh, managed to hold Napoli for a draw. I did expect yeah. Napoli to beat them, yeah. um, but Genk had chances in that. They, I, you know, I, we were watching um, part of it in the pub before we went down to Anfield, and you know, Genk could conceivably have got something out of that, something more than a point out of that game. So I do think you know we. We need to not underestimate Genk because if they can hold Napoli, potentially they can hold us if we're not on our if we're not on our metal because it it comes back to we are now there to be shot at as European champions. You know that is a badge of honour for somebody mm. to potentially turn us over, um, and and I guess that. That brings us on to, because you mentioned it, Randy, about, you know, Van Dyke wasn't great against um, Salzburg. And, you know, the fact that most, op you know, most opposing teams fans are reduced to trying to wait for a time when Van Dyke has dribbled past to make some comment about our defending. And it happens about once every 27 games or something. Mm -hmm. Um you know, does mean that when he makes a mistake, it is news now. And, and yeah, the, you know, you could say, you know, I, I potentially would have put Henderson at fault for one of the goals that ended up with, you know, Van Dyke going on his backside. But that notwithstanding, he didn't have a great game. So, 
the question is, everybody's been saying, you know, how Matip has been, you know, really good alongside him and Van Dijk has, you know, you know, helped Matip, you know, you know, come on and be the defender that we thought we were going to get. My question is, what has Matip give, given Van Dijk? Because mm. you could argue that the defence has been shakier in some ways in the last two games since Matip was injured than actually, you know, Van Dijk um being the, the the closest that we know he is but what has Van, what has Matip brought to that defense so so Randy let me start with you on this one because I think we do need to give Matip some love I don't think he's necessarily got enough love for his performances over the last six months of the season and the start of this season I think you're absolutely right I mean I think the first year he was with us made us put him into a box and sort of keep him there. You know, he is a bit tangly and wrangly and strange and sometimes he's <laughs> good and sometimes not, you know. But him, I actually think half last year as well, he was at the same level or even better than Van Dijk sometimes. And we've actually seen it much better now because obviously Vir- Virgil is a man. He is a human. So he's starting to show that. And... I think that Matip looks so, so good. He has been so consistent. He is not only being a good blocker and being very good to position himself in the fence and helping out at the edges as well, you know, for the back, right back, but he's doing his drive forwards, his passes forwards. He's doing it all now. And I think we really should get into loving him and showing that we do, you know, make him a song, you know, for God's sake. He needs it. I think he's been so, so good to have there. That's why we really, really look a bit strange now. And I think the rest of the team feels it as well. But I'll just say, on the, it's actually funny yeah. because dribbling past Van Dijk has become a stat now. I read earlier yes. today in a tweet <laughs> from the official tweet from Salzburg. They had this front three, you know, can you find a better? Uh, you can't because... They've done this and that, that many goals, obviously loads. And the last stat was dribbled past Van Dijk one time. That is amazing, isn't it? <laughs> it's quite funny. But this is what we're up against, you know. We are. And that just goes to, to show the the monumental change in our defence over the over the last twelve months. Um but then I mean I, I feel a little bit sorry for Joe Gomez in this because he was on fire before he got injured last season mm-hmm. and then Matic came into the team and since Matic came into the team he's he's been you know we use the term colossus of Van Dyke but he's been immense absolutely immense for us a very different type of defender mm-hmm. obviously but um but what what's your what's your view been of Matic over the last 6 to 9 months I have to agree with Randy. I think there's, you know, there were times when he was the better defender. And the, the thing that I absolutely love about um, Matip is, um, I remember when we had Sako and people said he's quite gangly and he doesn't look in control of his limbs. And the same could kind of be said of Matip as well, but he's completely in control. And what I love is sometimes when he just goes on those mad darting runs from centre-back position <laughs> into midfield, like he just goes charging with the ball. Like it makes me laugh. I think one of the strengths that he has over Joe Gomez is um, I think Joe Gomez isn't the best aerially. And I feel I felt like even Salzburg was sort of like, you know, when it came to aerial threats and headers, he wasn't the best because we know that that's not what Joe Gomez is really good at. But I feel like that's what something Matip is really good at. And every defender and every player has strengths and weaknesses. And I feel like that kind of really does complement the way Virgil van Dijk plays. Because obviously we know, you know, Virgil van Dijk is a very confident player. You know, I've, I know you watch football, Gay, and like I've seen people sort of sometimes compare his sort of passing and his movement to like a quarterback. I don't watch American football, but they always say he, he sometimes plays yeah. like a quarterback. You know, to those that watch American football, I'm sure you'll either agree yes. or disagree and with I can, that. I can, absolutely, I can absolutely understand that analogy yeah. in yeah. terms of, because I, I do like the NFL. Yeah, and, and um, absolutely. So, yeah, that's my thoughts. And I think, you know, I think Joe Gomez really did get him. Um, and it's also worth remembering as well, when Joe Gomez went out injured and Joe Matip was called upon, 
uh, and you know people are like oh no people were it's, losing it, their exa- shit exactly so if this is joe gomez his first game back and he's a little rusty guys don't forget what he is because we're very lucky here you know matip is very good joe gomez is very good virgil van dyke is the best defender in the world you know we had to rely on um Dejan Lovren against Leicester and he didn't put a foot wrong and he had much more to do than, you know, um, uh, Virgil van Dijk, you know, on, on Saturday, in my opinion. So, you know, we're in a really healthy yeah. position where, you know, we've got, yeah. you know, centre-backs who are fighting for that position and when they get the opportunity, they actually want to shine, you know, rather than throw it down the toilet, which is something that us as Liverpool fans are very, very accustomed to with some of the centre-backs that we've we've had the honour or lack of honour of watching <laughs> let's be honest and, you know like you're sat there frowning sometimes thinking what on earth am I watching so yeah I mean Joe Matip and to think he's we got him on a free as well I just smiled exactly. to myself this is if you think about it right um in terms of we've got um yo Adrian um we've got <laughs> him and we've got Milner all who came to us on free transfers and you and and at the moment You'd have to say they they are practically priceless for us. But the the interesting thing for me, and you'd sort of talk about him, you know, Matip, you know, being really good at heading the ball. One of the things that I found really frustrating when he first came, because you thought, you know, you've got this, you know, tall defender. He looked elegant. He's six foot four. It just you thought, oh yeah, he, you know, he'll be really strong. And he see if, certainly in his early years. Um, sort of first 18 months, two years at the club, it felt like sometimes he got bullied off the ball and actually he he wasn't, his heading was not one of his strengths. And, I, and you know, so whether that's playing alongside Van Dyke, whether he's been working on, you know, bulking up and practicing or whatever, but it is certainly something I think has improved out of all recognition for him. He was always... You know, he was always willing to, you know, stroll forward and, and take the ball into midfield. But I think his all-round defending has, has improved. But maybe that's also coincided with the fact that he's been, you know, notwithstanding the fact he's injured at the moment, he's been consistently fit for quite a long time. Whereas he kept seemed to be, he seemed to be a bit fragile in the early, you know, maybe that was, you know, getting used to the physicality of the Premier League. I don't know. But yeah, I I just I just think you know we 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 underestimate him at my peril. But the other thing I also love talking about him being gangly and this that and the other is his weird celebrations. <laughs> I don't you've seen some of the stuff on social media. Like he looks a little bit like a Thunderbird's puppet. Um, <laughs> kind of, you know, or or he's or he's in his own private rave or something. I I think it's adorable to be honest. Um, when he's like sort of putting his little hands up and everything, but he is he's he's a he's a character, is what I would say. Um, yeah. And I it's been it's been lovely watching him grow, to be honest, in t- in terms of becoming the the defender particularly to the point where as you said you know we've been we've been you know screaming and sitting there with our eyes covered you know every time we had a set piece against us you know a free kick you know a corner went into the box and and we don't anymore right we we are you know defensively so strong and the spine of our team is now so strong that it's not something we we really worry about anymore and that's the other thing i think we we forget sometimes i think how far we've come because we're enjoying what's going on at the moment but you know it's not that long ago that you know we had mignolet in goal we had um you know we had a, an accident waiting to happen every time the ball came into the box <laughs> yeah. and the fact is now we expect we're disappointed we're not keeping clean sheets these days because that's what we've got used to yeah and it is a you know it is a definite evolution and it's taken it's been a long time coming let's be honest but we should be absolutely you know wallowing in what we've got going at the moment um and on that on that point um i think one of the other things i would i would just sort of like to throw out there is um 
we talked about the fact that we had a great unbeaten August. We're now in October and we were unbeaten in the Premier League in September. I'm not saying at this point I expect us to go unbeaten through with the season. I think that would be a little bit um, eccentric even for me at this point in the season. But um, genuinely, how far do you think we can take this? Um, Randy, let me start with you. Uh, can I just say on behalf of your last uh, comment before this question that yes. I think we have to be aware as fans that we don't come become too complacent because I think the atmosphere in uh, yesterday was talked a bit about. I, I didn't watch the match. I was not there, obviously, and I just saw the last half an hour. But I heard so many comments about, well, we all sort of became a bit complacent. We all became a bit quiet because we didn't do as expected. And I think that's a bit sad. We have to be aware because these people are people. And uh, even though it looks like City lost today, <laughs> I think that's, that's our biggest danger looking forward. We, we can't expect to win every game. And definitely when we meet City, um, not that long uh, in time, actually, I think we have to be aware. We, of course, we could lose a game, <laughs> you know, even though it sounds weird, but I think having not having clean sheets lately has made me thinking more of uh, we could lose this game, you know. So so be there, chair for them, be be happy that we actually win uh, as many as we do because we are just people, and uh, I think it's going to be around the corner. Maybe a draw, um, hopefully not a lose lost, but you know you never know. I think it's hard to tell, but at least City is going to be a very, very hard match to meet. I, th I think I, I'm because we're now going international international break, and our first game back is against Man U at Old Trafford. And if there's anything that is going to inspire them, it's the fact to potentially take our unbeaten record away from us. Um, I, you know, I don't think Man U are very good, but Man U Liverpool games don't necessarily go on form. So Nina, kind of same question to you. You know, eight games unbeaten this season, seventeen games overall in the Premier League. How far do you think we can take this? Oh gosh, it's such a tough question to ask because you know what, Man United have been absolute cat turd. Right, let's be honest, they've been yeah. awful. Yep. And, um, that, and that's being polite, to be honest. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, you know, I'm being nice here because, you know, my mum is a United fan and I actually do feel sorry for, you know, just what they are doing to her. You know, like, she's an absolute yeah. mess, you know? Oh. And um, it's, it's quite funny, though, because, you know what, I remember as a kid, <laughs> they used to celebrate in my face when I was a kid. You know, so, you know, life oh, comes at you yeah. pretty fast. So I just sit there and I can't smirk. I give the Firmino side eye. But no, you know, if there's one game that they're going to get up for, it's that one. Because they are so petty and it, it's kind of annoying. One thing I will say, though, it comes at a kind of nice time in a sense that maybe Liverpool could do with a little bit of a break for some of the players. Like, we don't know what's happening with them at Mosala. I believe it's not as terrible as an injury as we initially anticipated. So hopefully he stays back and he gets to fitness. But I think Liverpool can go the whole distance. The only scary thing that frightens me about Liverpool is, first of all, the, the run in which they're at in terms of like, you know, the Henderson Howler for Sheffield United, their goalkeeper, and the last minute penalty, you know, against Leicester mm -hmm. City. It's the stuff of champions, right? I watched United teams do yeah. that season in, season out, and it made me sick. So I understand exactly. the fume because I didn't have social media to vent out at back in the day. So seeing it doesn't bother me at all because I was exactly the same. It was just bottled up. The thing is, I just sit there and I think, how many more have you got of these? I just want, I mean, I think we can absolutely beat Man United. I think they're an absolute joke. I've seen their team line up for Newcastle. It doesn't look great. I think yeah. if, if Liverpool can't beat that kind of team, then it's quite, you know, it's quite shocking really. But um, I, I think Liverpool can go as long as they want. Uh, the only thing that kind of worries me is, to some degree, is um, the rotation of certain players in certain positions. Yeah. Uh, Midfield-wise, I think we look quite healthy, generally, in my opinion. You know, we've got two attacking midfielders always on the bench waiting. 
you know, that's always a really nice option to have. For me, I just more worry about the attack because they started off so well and after the international break, it's like they've hit a little burnout. They were quite wasteful against Leicester as well. You know, it's those mm. little things that I kind of think maybe if we had a little bit of reinforcement, not that I'm grumbling or complaining, I'm just thinking it's a long season. But as a whole, I, I think this Liverpool side, I don't know what what they're on, but like, and of course, as as we know now, they're eight points clear as well because Manchester City have lost. You know, two yes. nil. So you which, know, live live podcasting which, here for you people. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> two nil, two wolves. So sorry, <laughs> spoiler alert. If somebody's waiting for match of the day too, but there you go. Um, <laughs> but but we can't we can't not mention it today. I mean, that is, in my view, a shock result, um, particularly on the on the basis that you know. Um, Wolves played on Thursday night, um, and also lost a, lost a player to a hamstring injury. You know, part way through the first half, but cracking result for for Wolves. Um, you know, delighted for them. We we need to also you know preface this by saying it's the you know it's early October. You know, nobody wins anything in early October. But you know, if somebody had asked asked me if I wanted an eight-point lead at the beginning of October, yeah, of course I would bite their hand <laughs> off. I'd love to have an eight-point lead at the beginning of May. That, frankly, would be delightful. Um, but, you know, it's it's still early days. I, I, do, I do want to see more midfield rotation. Um, personally, I would like to see Oxlade-Chamberlain. I know Shakiri's injured at the moment. I'd like to see a bit more of Oxlade-Chamberlain. I'd like to see a bit more of um, Shakiri um, because I think you can't... I worry about us playing Fabino pretty much every game. I think he's mag- he's been magnificent for us. And uh, sadly, and I, and I mean this because I'm being very parochial here, sadly because of that, he's now getting called up to the Portuguese team. Portuguese, what am I talking about? Brazil. Getting called up to Brazil. He speaks Portuguese. Brazil. He plays for Brazil. Um, but he's, <laughs> he's now getting um, called up to the Brazil national team, which means he's not getting the rest. Um, on the international breaks that I ideally I would like him to because he's become such a fulcrum um, of our side now. Uh, the good news for me on this international break, Salah wasn't getting called up anyway. So as you say, Nina, hopefully the ankle injury isn't as serious as we thought it was potentially going to be. But also he's got the full two weeks to rest and recuperate at Melwood and do training. The other thing is that Guinea have said that Cater's not getting called up. So he gets the two weeks to to rest. Um, sadly, I'm not sure Mane will. Um, and he certainly, in terms of um, scoring important goals for us, so he's he's critical to my view at the moment. And I suspect that Firmino will will get called up. Uh, I guess the good news is Allison won't because they haven't ruled him fit yet. So we do have some of the core of our spine. Um, you know, not being called up and, and getting a chance for a rest. But that's why I would like to see some of the other players a little bit more to kind of manage the workload in the in these early months. Because when it gets to the when it gets to the business end of the season, kind of February March onwards, um, I do worry that we will, we'll be close to to having burnout because we you know we had um, uh, you know we had the the World Cup. Last year, um, we had the African Cup of, you know, we've had the African Cup of Nations um, or the Nations League, whatever they're calling it these days. Um, so, you know, we've got, um, we, we're not getting any downtime in the off season. And that's the other thing that worries me. So you potentially, particularly with Mane, you know, it's, it's almost like two full years of football without much of without much of a rest and that that's the sort of thing that that worries me because I do think he's become such an important forward for us now and I guess you know I hadn't sort of talked about it before but I do do we think he's potentially kind of one of, is he is he up there now as one of the best strikers in the world you know we've lauded Mo Salah for the last you know two seasons and rightly so but I do think, you know, Mane is potentially on a par with him. He hasn't scored as many goals, but his 
his return for us over the last two and a half seasons has just got better and better and better. So just before we kind of, you know, wrap a few things up, I just, you know, what's what's your view, Randy, what do you think about um, where Mane is in terms of world football at this point? I think he's absolutely up there. And watching these guys uh, every weekend and in between now, uh, I think they are just so different. But Mane is much more unpredictable. He's much more difficult to play, I think, because of what he does and how he suddenly shows up in positions and how he... Did you see he, the way he... That pass from Milner yesterday and the way he... He sort of he takes it down as if it was a feather. It is actually a hard, hard ball coming in a straight, strange position to him. I mean, he is magnificent. I think he's up there with the Salah at the moment, and I think he, for for us to get him injured, would be a definite catastrophe on on the same level as if Bobby got injured. And um, so I think the three fronts of ours, apparently. Uh, the Egypt guy, uh, manager of the international mm. team, said that Salah has been injured, been playing with injuries lately. And if so, I mean, you couldn't see it, could you? But I mean, I think all these guys need the rest because especially Mane has played every match uh, since uh, last Christmas. So I'm really, really scared injury is going to happen to any of them at up front. And of course, Fabinho, as you said, it would be nice for them not to pick him every time, but of course he's happy. Um, and Keita, if he gets time now, because he does, doesn't he? He's not going to go away. So Keita... Oh, well, that's what the Guinea national team have said, so... Yeah, exactly. So if Keita and Ox and Bob... Bobby's going away. Uh, and uh, Salah is going to stay behind this time. Uh, I would really, really want for Manny to do the same, because they could have a rest, they could work together because I think that's that's the only thing that holds back Ox playing these days and Kato as well. They haven't really got up to match fitness. So if they can get a rest and play together, it's going to help them a lot not to get injured in matches as well. What about you, Nian? Where, where do you think Mane ranks at the moment in terms of, you know, top strikers? You know what, for me, they all come as a package together. I think um, Randy's absolutely spot on with her analysis and, you know, saying that he's really unpredictable. I think one thing that you have to give Sadio Mane a lot of credit for is, I think, you know, for somebody, you know, he's quite a short guy, but he's really strong. He doesn't like to get bullied off the ball. We know he's got quick lightning pace, but I love his strength. Another thing that has really impressed me about his game, you know, his his playing um, technique and style has been, um, and his goal scoring as well has been, He's he scores at vital times. You know, you go back to that game against Southampton, you know, when, when Southampton looked like they were going to take the lead against Liverpool and he scores right on the death of, you know, half, you know, just before half time to completely kill off any dreams or momentum from Southampton. He scores at really, really vital times. He looked so up for it against them, his former club. In, again, another former club in 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 Salzburg, and you know, he again scored that goal, got the thing, got the ball moving. He's just such a smart player. He his movement is great. I love the fact that there's like this little, you know, rivalry, friendly rivalry between him and Marcela. Also, it's worth noting uh-huh. against. I love the fact that you know against Leicester City yesterday. Liverpool played really well. Um, don't care what the critics say. Liverpool were the better team. The fact that they scored with one shot on target. Does not mean that Liverpool were lucky. Come on, man! Don't don't do that. Uh, you know, don't don't do that. No. You know, watch the game. Watch the, the game. The narrative was absolute yeah. bollocks, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, but you know, anybody that... who watched the game mm. should have been able to see that. Absolutely, um, absolutely. But but, gay. You know, with regards to when he scored, there was a period of ten minutes within that time where Leicester looked like they were coming into their own a little, and he mm-hmm. and you know that gorgeous ball from you know James Milner. 
to, to Sadio oh, yeah. Mane to score that goal at that time. That's what really impresses me about him. He's literally lately scoring goals at very, very important times. And, you know, one was a penalty as well, which was a penalty as well. I'm not going to go into detail about that. It was a penalty. There was contact. Do not give me that bullshit. But he's just so <laughs> vital. He is an absolute nightmare. And I think his physical strength as well is something that I doesn't, I don't think gets enough credit. I think the other thing that doesn't get enough credit for him, you know, you talk about his strength and stuff. So two other things for me. So one is his defensive work. Oh, gosh, so his, yes. his track yeah. back and his his willingness, you know, to, to be back there supporting the fullback. Um, and, you know, and he was winning vital tackles yesterday against Leicester. Um, so I don't think that necessarily gets enough credit. And I know we say, you know, the press starts at the front and all the rest of it, but the tracking back is something else. The, the work rate is phenomenal. But also in terms of his strength, is also, also his leap. It's like a salmon. So it's getting <laughs> up there. Some of his headed, you're, you're yes. looking for a, for a shortish guy, right? His vertical leap is fantastic. And, the, you know, and his... Uh, you know his ability to kind of power power the head in from a from you know sometimes it's a brilliant run but sometimes it is literally that spring that he managed to, to generate so so no i've got i've got a lot of love for for sadio and you know you think about that front three which is probably one of the best front three in in world football at the moment and they're playing for they're playing for our team who are, I don't know if I've mentioned this, but are top of the league and champions of Europe. Um, but the, <laughs> but the, the fact is that the, the architects of this, um, and you know, we are sort of coming towards the end of this, so I think it's appropriate to talk about this. The architect of this is, is our manager, who will celebrate um, four years in charge uh, on the 8th of October, as Nina kindly reminded me. Um, and my God, what of a four years it's been. It's been a hell of a ride. We've had um, three European finals, um, you know, League Cup final. Um, you know, we've come second in the league. We've got 97 points. Um, we've had, you know, this is our third year of consistent Champions League football. Um Nina, because because you were his champion before he ever came here, I feel it's only appropriate that I start with you. What would you like to say about Liverpool and Jurgen Kopp as we approach his four-year anniversary? You know, when he said those words, I'm going to turn you from doubters to believers. Mm-hmm. And it really, like, got people pumped up. Like, those words will... I mean, they stayed with me then, and they'll stay with me forever because... You think about the job that he's done in those four years. I mean, in his first half a season in charge, he, he took us to two finals with, you know, without even buying a single player. And I just don't think, I think he's just changed the complexion of this team completely. I mean, you know, there's no longer arguments about is it, is it, is it a Jurgen Klopp signing or is it a transfer committee signing? And before, before he came into Liverpool, it seemed quite problematic from top to bottom. There were questions of our owners. You know, the owners have never had a world-class manager. You know, they worked with Roy Hodgson to begin with. Then they gave it to, you know, the king himself to just kind of steady the ship and steal the ship. And then, obviously, they went with Brendan Rodgers, very nearly won as a league. And then Suarez went and, you know, the wheels started falling off. This guy comes in. I feel like we're a consistent force you know, and everything that he's done has been on an upwards trajectory. You know, the first season he gets us to finals. Okay, it didn't quite work out. We didn't make top four football, um, you know, Champions League football. The following season, we had no European commitments. So he focused solely on the league, looked at his squad and thought, I need an attacking player. So he buys, a, you know, Sadio Mane is his first like big purchase in terms of, you know, somebody with a bit of pace. Starts slowly, starts changing things. Then we get Champions League football. And then he brings more Salah into the equation. And I can't get over just the, the players that we get linked to now. And Liverpool, he's made Liverpool into a threat. You know, people, he's got people's piss boiling. 
I never thought I'd see the day. And it's consistently happening every single week. He's just magnificent. He's not only good for, you know, for us as Liverpool fans, he's great for just just the club in general. And he, I can't think of a better manager that fits us. And, you know, people thought, oh, yeah, how's he going to do it? He's a fraud. It's going to fall apart. This, that, 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 that. And all the questions have always been from opposition fans because, you know what, they are genuinely shit scared of this man. And I just, I'm, I'm just so happy. I, you know, I dreamed of having that kind of passionate manager when he was at Dortmund because I thought Liverpool yeah. deserved a manager like that because of what Liverpool stands for. And the fact that this man stands now in our dugout and gives those press conferences and, you know, jeers up the crowd like that. I remember when we drew against West Brom and, you know, he went yeah. up and he was like, you know, going to the cup and, you know, we were all like, he was sort of saying thank you for your support and people took it the wrong way. He's really, really misunderstood. And I think now people are sitting up and paying attention to hang on a minute. It's much, much deeper. I mean, the fact that that tagline, this means more, that's what he said in the press conference. And now Liverpool run with that every single time. This means more. You know, he's, I can't say enough about yeah. him. He, I mean, he's just gorgeous. Like just, uh, and that article <laughs> that he wrote, my God. Yeah. What the one where he, he talked about, um, the Rocky movies you know, and stuff. And yeah. Yeah. And just, um, you know, at the end of the day, it, it is just a game and it's, it's, it's as important yeah. as to, you know, you being a good person as you being a good footballer, yeah. mm-hmm. but why, you know, why wouldn't you smile? And no, I, I get it. I, I, I do. And you were the person who, you know, brought him to my attention. So, so for that, I also have can to. I, can you, I just say I... something though? When he said he no longer wants to stay at Dortmund, that he is tired and he's exhausted, I mentally yes. packed Brendan Rodgers' bags in my head that day. I was like, <laughs> you can go. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Randy, how do you follow that? You from Nina about the four years we've had under Jurgen Klopp oh I can just say here here I'm all with you you know I I absolutely loved him before he came as well because I had a little eye on the uh, Dortmund as well so and I think the way he speaks the way he is himself no matter what and uh, the plays that says it all all over again. He's not like a show for the telly. He is actually completely genuine. He's authentic. He is a person. He's he's preoccupied with the people, not just the football. And I think the way he has this man management, but also a good, good eye on the tactics. Because I remember when he came, he had like his eyes and ears and the brain and everything with him, didn't he? And apparently the brain left and we all panicked and thought, oh, we're going to lose it now because... You know, he's 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 learned so much during so many years and he needs just good people around him to get all this out because he can't do everything. But he's got everything inside him. And the way he's also, his politics, you know, he's had political speeches, you know, and people say that he could be the best um, manager of any uh, organisation, any um, business, any... He could be a front leader for any political party. No, not any. He could be a very good socialist. And that really fits so brilliantly in Liverpool. So I'm just in love. And I must admit, the last weeks, we've had some talk about him leaving. You know, it's been a lot of talk about that. Because somebody said he's going to get a new contract and somebody said he's not. And I thought, I, I really, really hate it. I get so sad. So can you please stop doing that? He's got three years left and whatever will, will be, will be. But, you know, let's enjoy those three years because he is our everything at the moment, I think. Um, and I think those are, I think those are lovely words, um, Randy. I, I suppose where I am with all of this is um, I wasn't, I wasn't sure, and you know, Nina and I were reminiscing about um, my view of uh, Jurgen Klopp when she was first bringing him up. And you know, we're talking this is two years before he became our manager, um, and I was just saying, well, he just looks like he needs a good wash to me. He look, you know, he just looks at you know, he looks a bit <laughs> trampy. I don't really, 
I don't really get it. Um, <laughs> I, I absolutely am on the bandwagon now and I hold my hands up and go, you know, Nina knew a lot more about him and, and saw what he could be for us um, in terms of a manager and a leader. I think for me, as well as, um, you know, he's a fundamentally decent person and, and, you know, there's many things that have happened or things that he's done that have epitomised that. But I guess the most recent was him winning the U, uh, the UEFA Coach of the Year and then using his acceptance speech uh, to talk about the fact that he was joining the Common Goal organisation and yeah. donating 1% of his salary because actually, you know, we should be here to make people's lives better. And you just go... You know, that's that's my manager. That's the guy yeah. who leads my football club. And that makes me feel so proud. Um, the other thing for me is that um, for a long time, uh, you know, went through through the difficult years that we had, and even under Brendan Rodgers, because we spoke a lot about the fact of, you know, will players really want to come and play for Brendan Rodgers? Um, there is no doubt that players are queuing up to come and play for Jurgen Klopp. And if nothing else, he has turned Liverpool from a staging post into a destination because a lot of players would come here and go, yeah, because this will give me a chance to potentially get to Real Madrid and Barcelona. And I'm not saying we won't ever have um, that again. But the fact is, most players now look at Liverpool thinking that they can achieve all of their ambitions in terms of winning things at a domestic and at a European level and being on the global stage. And that's one of the biggest things that he's done, as well as, to your point, Nina, in terms of the the supporters, the fan base, um, you know, the people who left early yesterday right, against Leicester. <laughs> now, you know, you will always get a proportion of people who will leave a game early for, for whatever reason. But you know what? They should have learned by now, right? They should know better. After that first season and, and him talking about, you know, after that Crystal Palace game, how lonely you felt and everybody going because they knew it was, it. you know, we were never going to get back. We are not the same side. We don't have the same mentality. And actually, that's why that's why you have still pretty much have a full stadium at 90 minutes now. Um, and and if and that's probably the other thing that has has changed out of rule recognition. Mm. There's an expectation now. I mean, I'm, I was, you know, because I keep going on about how long, you know, we've we've been unbeaten and this, that and the other. But um, is it? Is it uh, over a year now since we've lost a game at Hamfield? It's so strange yeah. to turn to turn up there in the expectation of it's a fortress well, again. of course we're going to win, yeah, because we're Liverpool and that's what we do. Yeah, and you know what? This is actually be a really good thing as well because. It depends how old you are, right, Gay, and, you know, how long you've followed Liverpool and things. And, you know, for me, I became a Liverpool um, supporter in 96, so I saw a lot of the dark times and the bad times. You know, there was a few glimpses of greats, you know, like Gerard Houllier winning the treble and things. That was my first taste of domestic trophies. I saw Rafa Benitez win the European Cup. And, you know, it's been in small bursts, you know, but, you know, fans from the 70s and 80s saw it in in abundance of Liverpool just constantly dominating. But for me, as a Liverpool fan, and certainly younger fans as well, they probably feel like this has been the most fun it's been supporting Liverpool. Yeah, definitely. God, yeah. And I can completely understand that. I mean, yeah, I've been, you know, I've been supporting them since... Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> I would say the... I would say probably 40 years. Um yeah. So I I I saw I I I wasn't um I wasn't physically there. So so from the point where you say you started watching them, I probably started going to see them probably 
very late 80s, no, yeah, very late 80s, early 90s, where, and I would occasionally get a ticket for a game in London or something. And it's only in the mid-90s that I started travelling to Liverpool on a regular basis. But, yeah, I've been sort of supporting them for probably 15, 20 years before that. So I've, I've probably gone through, I've gone through the highs and the lows and that extended fallow period where mm. to your point you know we you know we won an FA Cup we won a League Cup we won the Champions League we you know we won the UEFA Cup yeah you said Gerald Holier you know the treble season and all of that sort of stuff but it's been you know it's been a spike in a kind of sea of general mediocrity and we, <laughs> we are now at the point where we are so we are so consistently good that we do genuinely need to realize what the greatness that we're actually seeing um, because things do go in cycles and, you know, ultimately at some point Jurgen Klopp will go, you know, I hope it's a very long time away, but ultimately he will go. What I really hope is as part of what, FSG have learned and Mike Edwards and all of the rest of it is that we will have the right structure in place and are already thinking about even if it's 10 years away right who are the people that we would want to identify that we think genuinely could come in and be the next Liverpool manager and personally I don't think it's Stephen Gerrard I don't want it to be Stephen Gerrard because he, he may do a fantastic job at Rangers and maybe at some point in the future he will be, but I don't think he, I don't think he's anywhere near ready. Yeah. And I, and I think the expectation on him coming in straight after Jurgen Klopp is almost insurmountable. I and why, why would we want to do that to, to a guy who's become such a legendary player for us? So, so, you know, if in 20 years' time, I'm just making this up, if in 20 years' time he turns up <laughs> to be the manager, then fine. But but I don't want to see him any time in the next 10 years. Why, would you, why would you give a learner driver a Ferrari? It's it's exactly that. It's exactly that, right? It makes no sense. So I'm, I'm completely with you. Steven Gerrard, club legend, can't put a foot wrong, have the fondest memories of him. But he's a little too young and inexperienced to be managing this Liverpool side this Liverpool team, where they are right now. I agree with you. Yeah. So we are incredibly fortunate to have Jurgen Klopp as the manager and have the team in front of us playing the type of football that they're playing. I don't know where it will take us. You know, we've been to three European finals. We've won one. We've lost two. Um, We came an incredibly close second to Man City last season in the Premier League. We've got off to a cracking start this season. It's October. You know, we're, we're eight games unbeaten. So bring it on. Absolutely. If we're unbeaten at the end of October, great. That's another tick mark. But we're still only another month closer to the end of the season. And you know, they don't hand out the trophies till May. So until until we get to the point of May and we know how close we are to actually winning something then we can then we can start getting giddy about it i'm loving the start i'm loving the performance but i you know i think rival supporters think we think we've won the league and nobody knows better than liverpool supporters about <laughs> not counting your chickens and that's and, and maybe it's a subtle thing but most other supporters of other teams don't realise we only ever sing currently Liverpool, Liverpool top of the league. We do not sing, and now you're going to believe us, we're going to win the league. Because the last time we did that, it bit us big time in the arse. Mm. And I've still got the scars from that 13-14 um, season uh, under Mr Rogers. So, uh, I, and I just think it's, it's those little things. I think there is a there is a level of Hump, we're we're loving what we've got, but we're not taking it for granted. Or at least I don't think we are. Um, so I think that's a I think that's a great I think that's a great place to be, frankly. So very quickly, because I'm conscious we've been chit chatting away for quite a long time. Um, 
Any other business? Randy, anything from you, my dear? Uh, I was just very happy about uh, Bobby getting um, Man of the Month. He was... Uh, he got... Yeah. Uh, didn't he? I mean, that is... I think Play, he should have Standard Chartered Player month. of the Month. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I because... give him the Man of the Month every month. I mean, yeah, he's, exactly. just, he's just... He's just <laughs> our bonkers Bobby for the me. The craziest of the month. He could have every month, indeed. And I just love him, and I love him for bits. So uh, let's keep doing that every other month, and uh, let's give uh, give it to money as well every other month. I mean, I think they all should have it, the top three anyway. And let's just leave it on. We are so, so lucky to have um, Jürgen, and we're so, so lucky to be top of the league, and especially after tonight uh, or today. Really happy about the result. So... Uh, Let's just go. Here we go. Here we come. <laughs> Nina, anything from you? I know you've been doing your post-match shows and everything. So anything you want to you want to plug that's out there as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you wanted to do the post-match thoughts, um, I had Guy Drinkle, the usual producer of this podcast. He's awesome. He was on with Sam Evans. I did the post-match show. Do check that out with our subscribers and some callers. Also, if you're on Instagram, give me a follow on the Nina Carter Show. I post videos like on a daily basis talking about the game and you know random stuff that's related around Liverpool so do check that out but you know as a Liverpool fan I'm enjoying this let's just keep boiling piss (laughs) (laughs) indeed how beautifully said (laughs) (laughs) yeah and um you know last but, but not least of me and I and I do sort of echo all of that I think that um one of one of the things that I wanted to just call out at the very end is um, because I I do love my sport as as regular uh, listeners to this pod will know and I will go off and talk about various other things and <laughs> I am going to just come back to athletics very quickly because I want to do a shout out to Katerina Johnson Thompson yes. who uh, probably performed the finest heptathlon of her life in the World Championships in Doha. Uh, to win the gold medal, but is also a massive red um, and was in Madrid uh, to see us lift our sixth European Cup. So congratulations to her. Congratulations to us. Uh, yeah, let's ca- let's carry on boiling that piss and up the reds. Thanks for listening, everybody. Talk to you again soon. Life goes on day after day Hearts torn in every way So fairy, crossed the mercy Cause this land's the place I love And here I'll stay Podcast Network.